You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest preaching for us for our revival services. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Sweet spirit here tonight. That's just like the Lord, isn't it? Sweet, sweet presence. There is a tombstone down in Indiana, over a hundred years old, and on the tombstone it's written, as you are now, so once was I, as I am now, you soon shall be. So friend, prepare for death and follow me. Someone has scratched beneath it, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. (laughs) Another tombstone, this is true, a fellow passed away by the name of Elmer Pease. His last name was Pease. And he had these words written on his tombstone. Here lies the body of Elmer Pease beneath the maples and the sod. But Pease ain't here, just the pod, cause Pease shelled out and went home to God. (laughs) Now I'm giving you those two epitaphs tonight because uh, I want to change gears a little bit. I'm still going to watch the clock and be mindful of it. I want to get you out reasonably and and, uh, let you get the kids home and get yourself home. But we've been looking all week at the trials and temptations that we endure. And I I drew your attention uh, the other night to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Don't ever get your eyes off the Lord. I've learned, and I'm still learning, that people disappoint me. Uh, I disappoint myself, but Jesus never, as they sang so well, Jesus never fails. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. That's what we want to look at a little tonight. He endured the cross and he despised the shame. He endured the cross and he despised the shame. Now turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 14. Jesus never enjoyed the cross. There was nothing there that brought enjoyment to him. He despised the shame and he endured the agony of the cross for one reason. The joy that was set before him. I think a mother can maybe come closer to understanding that than most of us men can. A woman who has gone through the travail of childbirth and the agony of that travail that leads up to the moment of birth. But then as soon as they lay that baby in mama's arms, she forgets all about the agony and the travail. Now, I'm going to kick a sacred cow again tonight, so So stay with me just for a little bit. Don't get mad at me. I'm just going to give you scripture, okay? 
something that the Lord has helped me with, and, and I pray he'll help you. Have you ever been homesick? <clears throat> I have. I'll admit it. Uh, when I went off, uh, there's one young lady, she admits it, I, she'd been homesick. My grandson, he went with uh, <clears throat> one of his friends and <clears throat> his mom and dad from our church on a vacation trip down to Florida, first time he'd been away from home. And certainly first time he'd been that far away and they stayed for a week. And man, I knew, I knew it was coming. And uh, he said, Paul, Paul, man, he said, I got admitted, I got so homesick. He said, I don't think I ever want to go anywhere again. I said, well, you will eventually, you'll get over it. When I was in boot camp in San Antonio, Texas, many, many years ago, I remember waking up uh, when they'd flip the lights on at five o'clock in the morning, they didn't have to say a word. They said a lot, but they didn't have to say anything. Just flip the lights on. You were awake and up and out of bed, making your bunk, doing what you did. But I remember dreaming one night, Brother Corser, that I was driving up the road on the ridge where I was raised. I was so happy. I mean, it was so real. I was driving up the road and I came around that familiar curve and there's the home stretch. And I'm thinking, man, this is just so good. And about that time, get up, get up, get up. The lights come on. I think, oh, man, you've destroyed my happiness. <laughs> and I really do believe, church, <clears throat> that we don't think enough about heaven. And I don't think we have a real good concept of heaven. I, I think that we have allowed tradition and religion and the world to cloud what the Bible really does say about heaven and what it's going to be like. Now, Jesus spoke more of hell than he did of heaven, but he did speak of heaven. And uh, it's obvious to me that if you were to be giving directions to someone to go to a city some miles away, and, and there are two different roads that you can take, and one road will get you to that city the friend of yours wants to go to, and the other road has a, a blind curve on a mountain that ends in a bluff. Now, I believe if you were going to give directions to your friend, would you just tell them about the road that gets to the city? Or would you be sure and warn them that there is another road and you want to be sure you don't get on that one? Because it's deadly. So we preach heaven and we preach hell. Hell is a subject in our day that seems to be almost forgotten. A lot of people now have decided that they don't believe that a kind and a loving God can, can really have a place called hell where people go eternally. But if we believe in the justice of God and we believe in the righteousness of God, then we have to believe that the Bible is right when it says that hell is a place that was prepared in Matthew 25 for the devil and his angels. It wasn't prepared for man originally, but people who die there outside of Christ will go to a place called hell. But Jesus says something in chapter 14 that we're all familiar with, a very, very recognizable scripture. Uh, Jesus has, has just given his disciples some, some, some great information, and, and then he, he's, he's told Simon Peter, you're going to deny me before the rooster crows three times, and he says... Uh, or, or you'll, the rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. But in chapter 14 and verse 1, he speaks of a new peace, a new place, and a new pledge in the first three verses. Let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. That's a, I believe, a divine command. He's not just saying this is something you believe in, but he said you believe in God and believe in me because he's the God-man. In my Father's house, now here, here's where we're gonna, we're gonna kick a sacred cow just a little bit. In my Father's house, what's that next little three-letter word? Are. Now ask, uh, answer this for me tonight. Is that present tense or future tense? Present. In my Father's house are. When were these words spoken? We know that now over 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now, we talk about mansions in heaven, and there are, obviously, but I want to, with the help of the Holy Spirit tonight, bring you up just a notch from that. This really doesn't say that we're going to live in that mansion. doesn't say that. It says, in my Father's house are many mansions. Who's speaking here? Jesus but he says, if it were not so, I would have told you. But then listen to what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you from the depths of our soul tonight for loving us poor, wayward sinners. Lord, that you would be long-suffering to us, that you, when we could not come to where you were, you came to us. Lord, I can't fathom that. I can't imagine, Lord, why you would even want us, but I know you do. Can't imagine, Lord, that you can know everything about all of us and love us anyway, but I know you do. Can't imagine, Lord, how that for the last 2,000 years you've been making preparation for us. But I know it's true. And Lord, these things tonight, we pray you'll make clear to us in the few minutes that we have together. For we ask for your glory and our good in the high and lofty and lovely name of the Lord Jesus. And for his sake we pray, amen. Heaven is a particular place. A particular place. Lots of people in America seem to think that everybody goes to heaven when they die. It's very common in my part of the country now to hear comments like this at a funeral when someone passes away and they've had nothing to do with the things of God. To hear someone go by a grieving family member and pat them on the back and say, honey, it's okay, they're in a better place. If they died in Christ, yes, they are. But if they died outside of Christ, obviously they're not. But people want to find consolation in thinking that everybody is going to wind up in heaven. We're all going to just be together. And there is a teaching called universalism that, that does teach that, that ultimately everybody's going to be in heaven. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. Heaven is a particular place, as you've heard it said before, for a particular people. It's a prepared place for a prepared people. And, and Revelation 21 and 1 will give us an answer on that, but, but I, I'm going to 
jump ahead here a little bit. There's three things I want you to see tonight. It's a particular place. It's a perfect place. And it's a prepared place. A particular place, a perfect place, and a prepared place. Now, uh, Revelation 21, hold your finger there in John because we're going to be coming back there. I've got just a little scripture to give you. And then and I want to try to give you what's on my heart. Revelation 21 and verse 1. And I saw a new heaven, John says, and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Now, I've got that there was no more sea underlined in my Bible, Pastor. I, I've not got a good grasp of that yet. I'm not sure why there's no more sea. But there's not going to be any sea on the new heaven. That's all going to be done away with it. I, I, I've heard people talk about the fact that Jesus, uh, or the, the, the Bible rather in, in the Word says that He has buried our sins in the sea of His forgetfulness. But there's no more sea. But, but that's not my point. The point tonight is that He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. When we talk about heaven, when the Bible talks about heaven, there are three words that, that it uses. It talks about the atmospheric heavens. It talks about the heavens that we would call the air that is around us, the atmosphere around the earth, and it's the heavens where the birds fly and the planes are at and, and that. And then there's a second word uh, for heaven in the Bible, and it's, it's the, the astrological heavens. It's the, the stellar heavens. It's where all the planets are. And then there's that third heaven, the abode of God. But I want you to be careful tonight to realize that God doesn't have to have an abode. When we think of heaven, don't think of something eternal from time beyond conception in the past. God didn't have to have heaven. That, I believe, is a created place just like everything else is except God. But now God has chosen to do some things in us, for us, and through us that will be eternal. Have you ever felt like you don't fit in? I hope you have. Have you ever felt like this is just a mess? Could it be when you realize that you don't fit in this world, could it be that it's because God created you for another one? When God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God had a man created there, living in paradise, and until the fall, everything was great. But then there was the fall. And after the fall, all of the consequences of sin, and all of these years now since Adam's fall, we have been suffering the repercussions. And I've heard people make comments about Adam and and I've heard preachers say, you know, when I get there, you know, I'm going to walk up to him and punch him in the nose. That might sound cute. But listen, if you were Adam, you'd have done the same thing Adam did. Because that is our, that is our, our human nature. And we still tonight are prone always to go away from God rather than run to him. We're prone to do our own thing in our own way in our own time rather than to seek the face of God. So, heaven, the place where God is that, that John or, or uh, John talks about in the book of Revelation and that uh, Paul talks about being caught up into, particular place. 
a perfect place according to Revelation 21 and I think it's verse 27. I'll read that to you real quickly. Verse 27, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. I, I like that. Listen to chapter 22 and verse 15. For without, this is outside of heaven, for without are dogs, that speaks of a homosexual lifestyle. I used to know old folks, my grandparents from down in Tennessee were in this crowd that would not pay for a dog. Do you ever hear that, Brother Case? They, they said, I wouldn't, I know. And I said, why? And they said, well, the Bible says don't bring the price of a dog into the house of the Lord. And, and I was a grown man before I realized what that passage is talking about. It's talking about the price, the hire, or the, the pay of a sodomite. It's talking about someone praying paying rather for a homosexual act. Don't bring that into the house of God. So when, when he says this here, he's talking about that lifestyle. And I think if any generation ought to know something about this, our generation ought to know about it. Uh, it seems to be a plague. I have, I have uh, a family member. I have a niece. And I love that girl but I detest the lifestyle. So it's not something that we hear about from New York City or Los Angeles. Almost all of us in some way or another are touched by it. And there are people that are being caught up in this lifestyle and they're swept away in the tide of it and it's become a popular thing. It's become the cool thing. But the Bible doesn't, doesn't say it like that. But, but he says, without are dogs and sorcerers. The word for sorcery in the Greek language is the word pharmakia. And I'm sure you realize, recognize that word from our word pharmacy. And it's a drug culture. Outside of heaven is, man, I can't believe that thing goes off. And I know that's not the Lord calling either. Somebody from Cincinnati, some telemarketers called me every night I've been here. And I've had it on silent and it's the same person tonight. Maybe I, ought to, maybe I ought to open it up and let them listen to the message. I bet they wouldn't call back. I bet they wouldn't call back. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Now, I could probably speak for every child of God here tonight. I'm weary with this world, Pastor. I'm just weary with it. I'm tired of the crime, I'm tired of the hate, I'm tired of the anger, I'm tired of the bitterness, the animosity, I'm tired of our striving one against another, I'm tired of jealousy, I'm tired of envy, I'm tired of lust, I'm tired of all of these things that make us human beings. But my home, doesn't have any of that. Now I'm not talking about the little house I live in down on Button Knob. I'm talking about my home. My home. I have a home that I've never been to. And it draws me, 
pulls me every day. I'm homesick for it. I'm longing to go. I'm looking forward to the glad day when I'll step inside the gate. I don't know when that'll be. Could be any time. Could be any moment. Could be years from now. But sometime it's coming. It's coming. But I want to spend a few minutes now back in John 14. And I might go one more time to Revelation and we'll be done. What was Jesus' earthly occupation? Carpenter. I would love to have seen some of his work, wouldn't you? I, I really, one, one of the great pictures uh, of history uh, is a Hallman Hunt picture. Uh, you're familiar maybe with Hallman Hunt from the picture Mike and I were talking about this morning where you see Jesus standing outside the door knocking. Uh, but, but he had another picture that, that I really love much better even. And it shows Jesus as a young man standing in the door of the carpenter shop. And you can see wood shavings on the floor. And you can see the carpentry tools laid around. And a woman in the background who's obviously his mother Mary. And she's down, uh, kind of squatted down, sitting on the floor. And, and the young Jesus is standing in the door of the carpenter shop. And the sun is, is shining through the door, and he's stretching himself. He's stretching his weary muscles. And as the sun shines through the door, guess what the shadow is cast on the wall? The cross. And you see the face of his mother with this look of awe on her face as she sees the shadow of the cross. Now, the master carpenter, I believe that Jesus is the Word because the Bible tells me so. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were created by Him, and without Him was nothing created that was created. Colossians says, in and by Him all things consist, all things hold together. Even the scientists can't understand what holds the nucleus of the atom together. That puzzles them. Why it doesn't fly apart. I can tell you why. Because God says it's not time for it to fly apart. And so, Jesus the master carpenter, Jesus the one who in the book of Genesis said, Light be! And light was. And out of nothing came something. When God spoke and it was so. When God made the heavens and God made the earth and God made the angels and all that we see there's the handiwork and the design of a creator. A fella came into Lowe's a couple of years ago when I was working there part time and and he was one of these talkers, man. I mean, like a radio with no off switch on it. And I was working in hardware, and I was busy. And he came over and zeroed in on me. And, and he, was, he was a weirdo, man. I mean, he was a weirdo. And he, he, kept, he, he, got, he was always talking about we believe, and we believe, and we don't believe. And he, he didn't have anybody with him unless he had somebody in his pocket. 
And I kept looking around, and there was nobody around. And he said, we, we don't, and finally he said, we don't, he didn't know me from Adam. He said, we don't believe in God. We don't believe in all this stuff. You know, and he kept on, kept on, kept on. And I'm trying to ignore him. And finally, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I said, sir, I said, look around you. I said, what are you standing in? He said, well, I'm standing in Lowe's. I said, yeah, but in particular, what are you in? He said, I'm in a building. I said, you think it had a builder? I said, do you ever see a, a building that didn't have a builder? Did you ever see anything that just built itself? And he, he st- it looked like he'd been hit. He started backing up and stumbling. He said, oh, I'm not going to get into that. You're dealing in philosophy. And I said, no, I'm dealing in Bible. Isn't it crazy that we, in our modern, educated mind, have pushed God out? And we can believe that there is all of this without a creator. I'm sure I've told you this before, but I love this illustration. Somebody said, if you believe in the theory of evolution, take a, take a watch apart, one of the old wind-up watches. Take that thing all apart into all the pieces it'll come off into and put all those pieces in your pocket and start shaking your pocket and see how long you got to shake it till something ticks. <laughs> it's not going to shake together. I, I used to be a a bomb loader and, a, and worked on a four-man load crew and, and I know my part was to take out and put in the, the mechanical fuse that made the thing go boom and I know this, before you can have an explosion you got to have a mixture of something to explode. What made the bang? Well, it didn't start with a bang, it started with a word and the word was God and Jesus was the word. And when he came into the planet that he created and he came down into a virgin's womb and he grew up uh, to a point in life where he could do something occupationally, he became a carpenter. And this carpenter, God said over 2,000 years ago to the disciples that he knows he's about to leave, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Does that sound like James chapter 1? Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, Jesus says, are many mansions. They were already there 2,000 years ago. For all I know, that may be where the angels live. And just let me throw this out at you. You're not going to be an angel when you die. That's a popular concept anymore. Well, God needed another angel in the choir. No, he didn't. God made all the angels he needed, and when he stopped making them, he stopped making them. And he's not waiting for you to kick the bucket so you can turn into one. God is not going to turn you into something later that you're not now, except a sinless creature in a perfect body, in a great environment where there's no sin and no sorrow and no suffering and no death. That's what he's planned for you. The master carpenter, the creator of the heavens and the earth said 2,000 years ago in my father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't so, boys, I would have told you. But he said, I'm going to what? Prepare a place. For who? Now I want you to think about that and this will be the whole message. Not long ago, my son called me, and I've got, a, I've got two grandsons and a granddaughter, and, and uh, I know I can't compete with the pastor here, man. <laughs> By the way, 
I thank God for this fella. What a blessing, that violin. You know what my mind went back to? It went back to those 20-something years, first time I came up here and stayed in your house. How many kids do you have? Was it 12 in that house? Whew, seemed like 12. <laughs> <laughs> These kids were small, running around everywhere. And I look back, I know, I know it put that family, I know they went to a lot of trouble to accommodate me. I stayed in a room in their house, and I know I put some of these kids out of the room. I know I had to. But you know what? I've told people all over the country, I said, you should have you seen how these kids, I said, they all had a job to do. They helped set the table. They cleared things away. I said, they were just like clockwork. And I said, I so admire that pastor and his wife. And I come up here now, and I see this family, and, and they, have, they have careers, and they have talent and they're giving the glory to God and I say Lord what a savior what a savior but now my son called me and he said dad said when you come down and that's that's a hint for me he's saying could you come right now when you come down could you bring your tool pouch with you uh, bring your electrical pouch he said I, I need you to change a light out in uh, in Wes's bedroom and I said okay and I got down there and I said what's wrong the light doesn't work he said ask Wes and I said, uh, and, and Wes was about five at the time, and I said, Wes, why do you need your light changed? He said, it looks like a girl. <laughs> I said, oh, really? And I went in there, and sure enough, it was a girly-looking light. And, uh, and, and Layla, had, she had had that room. She's a little older than him, and they'd switched over, and so she's in another room now. And, and, and he, had a, he had a light that had a football or something on it, you know. And it looked like a boy. And so I took down the girly light, and I put up a, a boyish light. And you go into his room, and guess what? You're going to see a ball glove laying over here. You're going to see a truck over here and toys scattered around. Now, you go into Layla, my granddaughter's room. Guess what you're going to see there? You're going to see a little canopy bed. You're going to see dolls. You're going to see pillows on the bed. You're going to see all that girly stuff. That's girly stuff. Now, here's the point. They were preparing a room for Wes. You don't prepare a boy's room to look like a little girl's room. Do that for the little girl. She loves that stuff. Throw pillows on the bed. That little girl's going to eat it up. Put some stuffed animals in there. Put a big old stuffed teddy bear over there. She's going to love that stuff. Put some lace around and some frills around and set some perfume out and put some, put some uh, uh, nail polish out there on the on the dresser. She'll love all that stuff. Put some costume jewelry out there. She'll love that stuff. Don't put that in the boys' room. Throw him some, some Legos in there. Throw him a, a, a tool kit. Might be plastic. Don't get the real thing too early. <laughs> but, but put him some stuff in there. Now here's what I want you to see. A lot of people's concept of heaven tonight is sitting on a cloud strumming on a harp. That doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. Now, honestly, if, that, if that's heaven, I don't want to go, Brother Case. I'm just being honest with you. I don't want to go. You say, well, that's not very spiritual. It's honest. I wasn't created to sit on a cloud and play a harp. I was created by the Creator to live eternally with Him in glory in a body that doesn't grow old and doesn't grow weary, and doesn't grow weak, and is not susceptible to sin, and suffering, and sorrow. And one day, I'll have that body. 
Not now. Not now. I'm still in this mess. But, listen, fellow visited one day a nursery, and this woman was known for a particular prize rose that she had. And, and he stopped purposely to view the prize-winning rose, and he made his way through her nursery, and he saw all manner of beautiful flowers. And he said, hey, uh, she had some in elaborate containers and great vases and hanging baskets, and he couldn't wait to see the prize-winning rose. And he said, ma'am, he said, all this is lovely, but he said, really, what I came to see was the prize winner. And she said, well, come right with me. I'll be glad to show it to you. And she got in there, and sure enough, there was this beautiful rose that had won so many prizes and awards. And he looked, and it was in an old cracked clay pot. And he didn't say anything for a while, and they talked, and finally, curiosity got the best of him. He said, ma'am, I can't help but ask. He said, this prize went in flower. Why do you have it in this old pot? She said, oh, Pot's not important, it's what's in it. I can always repot it. She said, I'll repot it before it goes on show. I'll repot it before the judges see it. Listen, are you getting any of that tonight? One day, this old broken clay pottery is going to just lay aside. We'll fold these frail tents, hallelujah, and step out into eternity with God. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. That Jesus is saying, Dan White, I'm fixing you up a place. Mike Bussing, can you imagine Mike Bussing sitting on a cloud strumming on a harp? No, 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 no. What do you think might interest Mike Bussing? Fishing. Fishing. Now listen, we have sold God way too short in this heaven thing. We think it's some steamy, starry place with mist and spirits floating around. That's not heaven. That's a fabrication of somebody's imagination. Heaven is a real place. And Jesus has been gone for over 2,000 years fixing me up a place. He spoke the worlds into being. And for 2,000 years, he's been working on me a place. I wonder what that's going to be like. I have an idea it's going to be something. You men, outdoorsmen, you go out, you go on a hunt maybe or you go on a, on a hike or whatever. What is it? And, and a lot of you ladies have this in you as well. When you're out maybe on a trail and, and you go around the bend, you go up the hill and you go down in the valley and you look on the crest of the next hill. And what is it that you think? Most of us, we think, I wonder what's on the other side. I think I'll climb that hill if you're able. And you get up there and you see out there and there's another. And you think, I wonder what's on the other side. The early explorers of our nation, they had that in them. And when they landed uh, around Plymouth Rock in that area, and, and they began to immediately, what they do? They began to immediately head towards the west. They had to explore. They had to seek out something. They looked for something that they wanted, something that called them on. Oh, we thank God for that because they eventually get to the Pacific 
and, and our great nation, I mean, all, all that was between the two seas, they began to see that and develop all of that. But what put that drive in them? Could it have been that God put that in man when he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, that there's something more, there's something out there that you've never experienced yet, you've never seen yet, there's food you've never tasted yet, there's joy you've never had yet, there's experiences you've never dreamed of yet, and God is preparing that for you right now. I don't believe that God will prepare me something that I'll detest. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And like a dad would go into his son's room and fix his son's room up the way the son likes the room and he puts things in there that his son takes pride in and he finds joy in. My Father is fixing me up a place. He's been at it for over 2,000 years. I know I keep repeating that, but I want you to get that tonight. The creator of the universe, and listen, all that we see around us, even under the curse, there's so much beauty. Do you ever listen to the song of a mockingbird? Do you ever sit on a boat in a, a crystal smooth lake, mirror smooth, early in the morning, the mist's on it, and you see a fish jump? Do you ever walk out in your yard like I did the other morning, and there were wild turkey out in the edge of the field. And I just stand there sometimes in amazement. Now I love the woods. I love to be outdoors. But now I don't go in the woods in our part of the country a whole lot because of, of uh, ticks. And we call them turkey mites. They're, we're plagued with those things. And they will absolutely cover you up. And they will make you miserable for weeks. For weeks. I wonder if God might have worlds for us to explore. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, you're going to cut God short? You, you think that he couldn't do something in 2,000 years that will dwarf all of this? Somehow we've developed the idea that we're going to lose out on something when we move off from this planet. That This thing's under the curse. But, but what, yet even with that, it's beautiful in so many ways. I remember flying out uh, over the Grand Canyon and an Air Force C-130 a couple of times and I'd seen it from a distance and then we were working beside a Marine Corps unit there and they invited me to go with them as they flew out that afternoon over the Grand Canyon and, and so I gladly took them up on it and it was an old cargo chopper. It didn't have any windows in the, in, uh, I mean the portals were open there and there was a boy uh, stood by my side from Louisville, Kentucky that I don't think had ever been outside of Louisville much and I had already flown over it a couple of times in a, in a C-130 and I knew a little bit about what we were going to experience. And we started out through there and we, we got out kind of desert country, you know, and, 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 and just every gully we'd go over, every wash, every place we'd go over, this boy would look at me and he'd say, is that it? Is that it? I said, no. I said, you'll know. You'll know. I said, that's not it. And we'd go over some other kind of a, you know, a water. He'd say, is that it? I said, no, that's not it. You'll know. You'll know. And that pilot kept getting lower and lower and directly we were clipping the treetops and I knew what he was going to do. And in a minute, we rushed out over the rim of the Grand Canyon in that Marine Corps helicopter and the air out of that thing, I mean about a mile deep and the air out of that pushed up on that chopper and it turned over on its side and he and I are like this and looking down in that portal and I look over at him and his eyes are this big and I punch him on the shoulder and I said, that's it. 
That's an unspeakable thing to look, but that's under the curse. There used to be an old fellow in the late 1800s, the first white settler in the Grand Canyon. And uh, he, be, he became a tour guide out there. And uh, he loved children, and children loved him. And, and it was inevitable that one of the children would ask him, where did all this come from? What, what, how, how was this made? And he loved to tell them his own little story. Here was his answer. He'd say, I dug it. <laughs> and he did that for years until one day a little four-year-old girl asked, where, where did, somebody had asked in the, in the crowd, where this, how, how was this made? And he said, I dug it. And a four-year-old girl looked at him. She said, what would you do with the dirt? And he, he, never, he never responded again. And they said when he lay on his deathbed, he whispered to the friends gathered around his bedside, I wonder what I could have done with all that dirt. Under the curse, we live on a beautiful planet. What's it going to be in heaven? Quickly and I'm done. I had some spare time on my hands one day and I got to reading about the New Jerusalem and I won't get you to turn over there. But John said that this heavenly being measured it and it was a 1,500 mile cube. That's, that's from like Boston to Miami, from New York to Denver, roughly, a cube. Now, you fellows that have ever walked over a square mile that's over 660 acres, a square mile. But we're not talking about a square mile, we're talking about a cubic mile, a mile every way. And one day I was sitting at my desk and I got to thinking about this and I multiplied 1,500 by 1,500 by 1,500. That's 3,375,000,000 cubic miles. Cubic miles. Now, there are 8,760 hours in a year. In our glorified body, we're not going to be limited like we are now. We'll be able to zip around. People say, boy, if we can only travel at the speed of light, that's nothing to traveling at the speed of thought. If you think, the, if you, think you can beat the speed of light, tonight when you go to bed, flip out the light switch and try to get in the bed before the light goes out. That's fast. That's fast. But the speed of thought's a lot faster. I believe that we'll be able to travel at that rate on the other side. But I want you to think just for a moment. You don't have to slow down. You don't have to stop for rest. You don't, none of that. We'll be able to eat. I think you've never tasted fruit till you get to heaven. Best, best fruit I've ever had personally is in the Philippines. And uh, it just, I, I couldn't believe it. The sweetness and, and the goodness, the juiciness of it, the freshness of it. But one day in my glorified body, I'm going to get to eat some fruit. Now, God's made us this way, church. Don't think He's going to take something away from you when you get to heaven. This New Jerusalem, let's just divide it up into cubic miles and, and let's just call every one of those a room just for the sake of argument. There's 8,760 hours in a year. If you visit in your glorified body one room per hour of the New Jerusalem, let's, and I'm, I'm speculating here, but let's divide it up into these cubic mile rooms. And if you could zip around, and it'd take you a while, but you wouldn't see much in an hour. It'd be the, I mean, it'd be the nickel tour. You'd just be, and so you spent one hour in each cubic mile room, and you did that round the clock, 24-7, nonstop, 
it'll only take you 385,273.97 years to get through it all. And, and now, the Heights took me to the uh, Ford Museum last year. And, and we walked and looked, and man, I enjoyed that, and went through the village there. But I think we all agreed, you know, you'd have to come back several times to really see everything, you know. And, and the Smithsonian in Washington, there's no way you can go in a day and, and begin to see it and grasp it all. What about this? You think in that zip through you'd see anything? you say, man, I'm going to come back and check that out. Something short of a half a million years it would take you just to zip through the new Jerusalem in your glorified body. This is just the new Jerusalem. This is not even the new heaven. It's not even the new earth. It's just the new Jerusalem. You're not going to be bored in heaven. You're not going to get up in the morning if you even have to lay down because there's going to be no night there. You're not going to ever get up and say, oh man, where'd that ache come from? Mm. You're, not going to, you're not going to lay down just to sit down and rest and say, man, oh, I need a couple of a leave or something. None of that. None of that. Church, are you going? Do you ever get homesick for heaven? Do you ever think about what God has prepared? Now, here's the key. Don't run your roots down too deep here. This is temporary. All of this stuff is going to pass away. Melt with a fervent heat one day. One day soon, I believe Jesus is going to say, come up hither. The dead in Christ shall rise. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And when we get there, I picture a smiling Jesus coming to me with his arms outstretched. Saying, Dwight, I sure do love you. And I'm going to say, boy, do I know it, Lord. <laughs> boy, do I know that, Lord. You couldn't have done for me what you've done for me if you didn't love me. You couldn't know all about me and love me anyway, Lord, if you weren't just something magnificent. And I think he'll laugh. I don't picture him as a God with a rod in his hand waiting to slap me off into hell. He's a God says, Dwight, I knew all about you before the cross. I knew all about you before there was the flutter of an angel's wing. And for whatever reason, God says, I think you're worth it, Brother Case. I think you're worth it. I want you with me in eternity. And for over 2,000 years, Jesus has been preparing me a place. I'm anxious to see it. It's going to be something. Yours is too, because he's working on your particular place. It's going to suit you. It's going to suit you. You're going to get there, and you know what? You're going to say, this really finally feels like home. I have finally found what my heart has longed for over the years. You're only going to go there through the blood of Calvary's Lamb. There's only one road that takes you there, and it's by the way of the old rugged cross. I trust tonight you know Him. You're trusting Him. And you don't let your roots go down too deep in this world. Let's stand. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the hope of heaven.
Thank you, Father, for allowing us to use our imagination along with your inspired word for a little while tonight to just try, Lord, to picture a little bit of what heaven's going to be like. And forevermore, Lord, we'll be with you experiencing things, seeing things, tasting things, meeting people, fellowshipping, making new acquaintances, renewing old acquaintances, seeing those, Lord, that we've read about in Scripture, seeing our loved ones that have run on ahead of us, and we'll never be separated by time nor space, sickness and sorrow gone forever. Without will be all the things that have marred us, all the things that have spoiled us and ruined us. Only perfection, only glory, only pure love, only the magnificence of the King of Kings. Lord, we pray, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Because it's in your name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.